You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this podcast, Future Net Zero News editor Johnny Bairstow speaks with Simon Alsbury, Managing Director of Energize, as they discuss when to pull sustainable levers, creating strategies, building better teams, and committing to science-based targets. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this podcast with Future Net Zero and Energize. I'm Johnny Bairstow, and today I'm talking to Simon. How are you, Simon? Yeah, good, Johnny. Thanks. And yourself? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm uh, glad to welcome you back to the fifth and final series in this Counting Carbon podcast. Right. Thank you. So cycling right back to the beginning of the series, uh, even though we're, we're now coming to the end of it, you set out that the pathway to net zero can be broken down into four steps. Uh, and if I remember correctly, that was review, reduce, renew and rebalance. For businesses that have been listening to this podcast series uh, from the beginning till the end, they're probably wondering now, how can they turn those four steps into a coherent plan for net zero? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see it as those, those, those four simple steps because it just allows you to think about kind of the decision hierarchy. You need to understand where you're at, reduce your usage, transfer the, the technology or approach you're taking um, in that renew stage and then uh, offset or rebalance the rest um, or, or, in fact, inset if you're talking about kind of investment in um, a supply chain. But I think in terms of how you actually go about turning that into a plan, it's a bit different because that those four R's are about the, the, the way you think about it but in terms of does it, turning that into a plan it's really about three key things for people to decide one you need to prioritize your levers as we call them so what can you do what which which lever can you pull to make a difference um because not everything across your carbon footprint is is as easily influenceable as as the next so which of those levers can you pull and which of them can you pull now you need to think about which ones you might be able to change in future um, as well. So figure out what those levers are, looking at each part of your carbon footprint, figuring out what those levers are against each of those parts and then prioritize them and, and, and basically put them in a priority order. The second one for us would be figure out where you need better data and start at improvement plans on that straight away. Most organizations that are looking at the scope free elements of their, their carbon footprint have poorer data than they will need in future to be able to take action. There's quite a lot of estimation in some organizations around that and that poorer quality data actually sometimes prohibits the action because the estimates mean you're not really fully understanding what the activity is. So implement those improvements around the data now to make sure you can take action in the future. And then I think the critical bit before you turn it into a plan and an actual map of how you're going to go through those steps of the pathway is define your speed. Uh, and what I mean by that is you need to know how fast you're trying to reduce your carbon emissions here. The speed at which you go, there, there are outline rules behind how you would approach that. But fundamentally for many organizations, where the, the speed they're going to take immediately will be defined by a, a balance between a, kind of a moral decision and one about their brand uh, alongside a financial one about what they can actually afford. Uh, and that needs to be figured out as a balance uh, between the two uh, and figure out what speed they can go at. So defining your speed is, is that third aspect once you finish that map it out depending on the way in which you want to see it by year and by quarter basically just figure out carbon footprint across the top and then just put some programs underneath if you're doing an excel at a high level and then figure out what you could reduce your carbon footprint by from each of those programs and uh, and you'll get a high level answer 
once you're if you're an organization of a certain complexity you'll, you'll probably need to do that with specialist advice and organized with potentially specialist software that same principle applies map it out by year by quarter and with what the carbon footprint is what the future footprint is going to be because of the programs you're using to influence it and those those programs are really just the quantified way of explaining those levers that i mentioned you need to just figure out which levers you're going to pull and when Something I hear in my work is uh, when people say to me that coming up with a strategy or action plan to, to deliver net zero, people often say, oh, that sounds so complex and they're intimidated by it. At what level would you suggest that people start looking at this? I have a number one kind of discussion I often have with organizations who are probably very similar in terms of the, the, the point you're, you're raising around that concern about complexity. We outline that the number one rule that you need to use around the way you go about doing this work is pragmatism. The reality is that if we all sit uh, just being very ideological about it without any pragmatism and not getting stuck in to making a difference on it, we will often get stuck in uh, paralysis by analysis and that will do nothing and get you nowhere. So if you, you, you have to keep it at the level you're ready to do. Many organizations will have a kind of appreciation of themselves to know, okay, I've got to my carbon footprint and that's a great start. And I know that at the end of this, I am absolutely committed to going net zero the whole way along. But I just want to know what the top 10 things I can do right now are. That is okay. Not every organization has to be yet at the place of having a science-based target and that kind of upper end of things. We're in a situation where there's only just over a thousand organizations with a science-based target at this point. And I know that that's rapidly increasing, but um, organizations need to bite off what they can chew because this is about sustaining a long-term transition so be really pragmatic about it linking back to what i said before about the levers figure out which ones you can actually pull if you can't make a difference to something yet because you don't have good enough data you don't have the relationships with your supply chain or your customers to do so you, you, you don't you haven't made a change somewhere in your business that you need to make or you haven't set up the team that you need to set up yet make the changes you can make now and start putting those other actions in place. I think the other bit outside of that pragmatism is uh, build the teams you need uh, to have because be that because you need to have uh, the shared workload of it or be that because you need to bring in the specialist advice either by recruiting or by um, using external support from a um, consultancy or some other supplier. The levels you should be looking at it I think it still require that pragmatism throughout and to be very focused on those levers. But even some of those for medium and large organizations often will require some kind of dedicated team to make them happen. So that, that's another aspect that you'd put in place. I think all of that ultimately starts to bring uh, the complexity down. The reality is this is a, a challenge we share as humanity. So I think if you take the, the age old uh, principle of a problem shared is a problem halved, then if we do this together, we, we'll, we'll get there much quicker. You mentioned there that businesses need to choose the changes that they're, they're able to make and that they're going to make. Uh, but there are some changes that they're, they're going to have to make, aren't there? Because the government recently announced the requirement uh, for the recommendations of the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. A bit of a tongue twister there, but they were, the, the government has re announced that those recommendations uh, made by that task force are now required to be adopted across the economy. So I was wondering, could you just tell our audience uh, what, what those requirements are and how that's going to impact their net zero planning? Absolutely. So the, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure is, is abbreviated, as we commonly do in the 
uh, carbon and energy world uh, uh, to uh, to TCFD. Um, a lot of abbreviations. There are indeed. Whenever we have a very kind of gra graduates or new starters, it's like here's the glossary. Anyway, um, but the in terms of uh, TCFD, um, it's basically a task force that was set up a few years back, um, reported in 2017, and it's about how organisations should be handling climate change in relation to the way they report and disclose. The principal recommendations are there are 11 of them uh, that are expected to people to be uh, in conformance with uh, in a high level point of view those uh, recommendations outline that any organization should have an understanding of its risks and opportunities related to climate change define its roles and responsibilities understand the financial impacts of climate change in the short medium and long term have some kind of scenario model for uh, what the impacts of a two degree or lower world look like for them define some metrics and targets and the bits we've been talking about throughout this, uh, measure and disclose their carbon footprint. Uh, the time frame on it in terms of what's in the government policy at this stage is um, around, it looks like 2023 will be the, the date where which large businesses uh, will have to adopt it um, with a comply or explain window up to 2025. But PLCs and public quoted companies, it looks like they'll need to be in compliance with all of that by 2022. So there's plenty of work to be done there, bearing in mind that current compliance rates are pretty low in, in the non-public world and even in the, the public uh, listed companies, PLCs, the, the stock exchanges, there is a, um, there's still quite a lot of work to be done uh, for many organisations there. So what, what it does is it puts a bit of a framework around what you, what you need to do and if you're of a certain size uh, in terms of the amount of activity you need to undertake over the course of the next few years. I think secondarily to that, because one of the things in there is to have a understanding of your risks and opportunities. Uh, and scenario modeling, uh, it will in, it will mean that most organizations need to come up with a plan, uh, even if it's the, only the first version of one. And that has um, quite a big impact in terms of the timeframes around setting a, a pathway towards net zero, even if organizations don't necessarily have the exact date defined they're going to be net zero, they'll at least need to know what their first steps are and what their carbon footprint is uh, in, a, in a more detailed way than many already do. Well, yeah, when you're talking about businesses and their plans, as we are, uh, of course, businesses care a lot about return on investments and what they're going to get for the effort that they put in, don't they? And I'm not just talking about financial returns. Obviously, here we're talking about kind of the return being uh, carbon dioxide and emission savings. So, so it's the big question, I suppose. But as a rule of thumb, what kind of savings in carbon emissions do you think businesses should expect to achieve? And over what time frame could they hope to do that? Using a rule of thumb that can answer to that straight away, the, there's an emerging idea behind all of this area that's uh, not dissimilar to Moore's law in computing, which is about over time the, the process of power and improving of, of the carbon law. Um, and the idea being that you, in, in rough terms, aim to reduce your uh, emissions by half every decade. Uh, so we're in 2020 now. Um, so halving them by 2030 and being at 25% by uh, 2040 and being at 12.5% of your current emissions by 2050 with the underlying expectation that there will be a residual level of emissions from pretty much any organisation and there will be some offsetting left. So this is a, a level of emissions without offset, if that makes sense, um, in terms of high level targets. That initially, as a rule of thumb, is quite a helpful one to understand the speed at which you'll need to go. 
I think for many organizations, the idea of halving their emissions in the next decade may seem enormous. But I think if you bear in mind that uh, our current electricity grid is forecast by national grid to be potentially anywhere up to 80% renewable by uh, the end of the decade, uh, we now know as of this week that the sale of new internal combustion engine uh, vehicles will be banned from that point. There will be a, a whole chunk of this that will that will move pretty naturally uh, by those things being implemented. Now, there's still plenty of work to be done in that area. But alongside that, there's plenty of measures we all need to take, and particularly if you look at the scope-free aspects that we've spoken about in the previous uh, episodes of this podcast series, that there's, there's still quite a lot of action to plan out around that. So that carbon law is, is the easiest way to look at that, that as a rule of thumb. The, the reality is each organization needs to, to have some reflection upon the suitability of that law for themselves. Some will be able to go faster, some won't be able to go at that intensity at all. Um, so it's a rule of thumb. As with any rule of thumb, you need to um, be sensible with it, but it's a good starting place. Yeah, I think that's interesting, actually. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that before as a rule of thumb. Um... But I think, like you say, it won't work for every business, but it's a good starting point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Seeing as we're coming to the end of this Counting Carbon series, uh, in which we've moved through every every part of the journey, um, I think I'll have to to end things on um, the most important question of all, which is businesses right now, they're listening. Uh, they want to go net zero, but they, they haven't really done much yet. They know by this stage that what they have to do is gather the data, find out where they are, and kind of build that foundation of knowledge so they can go forward. But how do they actually set a target for going net zero? Um, like how, how is that done? And can they do it today? Uh, will it take until 2050 uh, to necessarily to reach those goals? What, what do you think the best approach is someone could take right now after listening to this podcast? So I think from our point of view, and um, just to summarise uh, everything we've gone through, the underlying approach around behind going net zero is particularly bearing in mind that you have to consider all these other aspects we've, we've talked about. You kind of have to consider net zero as not necessarily something to do, but something to be. Uh, and that might seem a, a nuanced answer, but uh, there is a there's an element in all of this that because we will be living in a different world from all of this, that we have to adopt it as a sense of identity. It has to become part of our brand if we are uh, focused that way or our identity if we're a community or uh, an individual. And I think we have to, to to see what we look like in that world. But how do you get there, I guess, is, is ultimately what we're talking about. And, and how do we get to understanding the timeframes of that? Look, if, if there's a, a business looking at this, our recommended approach to it would be to understand your carbon footprint in as full of extent as you can at the earliest available opportunity to mitigate using internationally reputable offsets your carbon footprint as soon as you can, effectively going carbon neutral but not net zero because there's a distinction between uh, the two. And then using the points we've talked around here, so uh, that carbon law, but getting into more detail and understanding your own levers to figure out at what speed you can reduce your emissions without those offsets. We would always recommend you do the resource efficiency part uh, first. That's why we have the review, reduce, renew, rebalance as a decision hierarchy done in that order. Uh, but there is, it's almost if you if you did that on an annual cycle and, and almost used it as a way of improving yourself year to year, like almost like a management system, if that makes sense, uh, like, like a, the plan, do, check, act of IS 50001 or equivalent. 
uh, that you can get yourself net zero aligned sooner rather than later. Whether you are actually net zero is a uh, kind of that, that's something that will be something where you'll get to a, a point where you can be confident that you are because you've done everything that you can and you've, you're offsetting the rest by doing that four-step pathway review, reduce, renew, rebalance, taking that underlying approach about the responsibility. I will remove my impact now after I've followed those steps, but I will take my proportional share of it in time. The underlying difference between carbon neutrality and net zero is carbon neutrality requires you to reduce your emissions at least by something, whereas net zero requires you to reduce it by enough to achieve what we need to achieve as a world. So once you're taking a certain amount of responsibility, then you are net zero as far as we're concerned. There is no um, internationally accepted answer, but that's our view on it. It's a, it's about who you choose to be in this world and, and the challenge that we've got. And um, I think that actually is something we can all align to much faster than we necessarily think we can. So many organizations can start taking those actions today. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to wait till 2050. Well, thank you very much, Simon. And there you go. Uh, there's uh, there's no excuse for all of you out there to uh, not be getting on with your net zero journeys uh, right now. Uh, so thank you, Simon, for a great series. Uh, it's, it's been called Counting Carbon, of course, and it's taken us right through uh, the journey from uh, literally counting carbon at first and finding out where the carbon impacts of a business lie uh, right through to a net zero target and the actions needed to uh, decarbonize in the real world. So thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, I know our audience will as well. Thank you, Johnny. It's been great to be involved and I hope it's been useful for the listeners. I'm sure it will be. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you again in the future to see how everything's going. Uh, thank you to our audience, of course. I look forward to uh, speaking with all of you uh, when your net zero journeys are underway and seeing how things are going. Uh, and yeah, if you've enjoyed this series, please do subscribe and we'll have plenty more similar content coming up on Future Net Zero for you shortly. You have been listening to a promoted podcast from Future Net Zero. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.